see children of, of um, God were rescued from their slavery. And uh, if you'll notice also in your bulletins, uh, there is a covenant renewal. Um, I guess you'd call it a uh, liturgy, something, a, a responsive reading that we want to do here as a renewal of our covenant. Well, that's what's happening here in Exodus 24. And actually, this, this is the first time that God's covenant is being confirmed with the whole people of Israel. He had made a covenant with Abraham before, but this is the story of the, of the covenant as it was first received. The Ten Commandments, if you know them, they're in Exodus chapter 20. And then there were some other instructions that were given concerning worshiping God and how to treat other people. Um, that, that all is part of the law. And then we come to the part where the people give their agreement and say, yes, we'll do it, Lord. So let's look at this together. Then he said to Moses, Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and the seventy of the elders of Israel, and worship from afar. Moses alone shall come near to the Lord, but the others shall not come near, and the people shall not come up with him. Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the rules. And all the people answered with one voice and said, All the words that the Lord has spoken we will do. And Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord. He rose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain and twelve pillars according to the twelve tribes of Israel. And he sent young men of the people of Israel who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen to the Lord. And Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins, and half of the blood he threw against the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. And they said, All that the Lord has spoken we will do, and we will be obedient. And Moses took the blood and threw it on the people and said, Behold, the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. Then Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and the seventy of the elders of Israel went up, and they saw the God of Israel. There was under his feet, as it were, a pavement of sapphire stone, like that very heaven for cleanness. And he did not lay his hand on the chief men of the people of Israel. They beheld God and ate and drank. Let's pray. Lord, we just ask God that you would add a blessing to the reading and to the hearing of your word. Father, let it go forth and not return void. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. I think a lot of people today um, value convenience over commitment. It's, it, it has to do with, with, with this instant gratification culture. The, the speed of information that comes across uh, our computers and, and across the internet and now across our personal mobile devices and, and everything else. Um, I, I think it began in, in the age of, of uh, fast food and the microwave and has culminated in, uh, in uh, instant information on our phones and, and other things. And uh, I, I, I bought into that. You know, I, I look at my phone quite a bit. Um, when, when, the, when the cell phone first came out, I said, I am not getting a cell phone. I don't want people tracking me down, trying to call me and get a hold of me. 
I, 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 I don't want to be located where I am or anything like that. For a long time, I didn't have one, but I finally decided, all right, you know, they're, they're, they're a little bit cheaper than having a landline and all this stuff, so I ended up getting a, a phone. And, and now I don't know what I would do without one or how I would keep up with my schedule with that. It's sort of like my personal planner and, and all that stuff. And it's, it's interesting how you become dependent on, on those kinds of things. But I think, uh, as, as a general rule, we, we value convenience over commitment. And, and, and it's, it's permeating even into our normal lives. I mean, why do you think people are not getting married anymore, but, but are living together? It's convenience. So that they, they can, uh, you know, um, leave, you know, whatever um, relationship they have a lot more easily. Uh, committing to, to uh, marriage and, and committing to, um, you know, a, a promises that, that you've made. You know, uh, the, the church is, is the place where most people get married. You know, some people go to a judge to do that. It's recognized by the state. I believe in, in Christian marriages more than I do state marriages. And, and the state likes to think it's in control of marriage um, when it's not. It's, it's God that's in control of marriage. But people don't want to commit either way because it means legal battles to separate, and, and it means um, I, you know, I, I have to commit myself. I can't, I can't leave this marriage. Um, people value convenience over commitment. It, 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 it's why the abortion industry made so much money in this country, especially when it was widely legal, and it still is legal, by the way. It has been made illegal. Um, I appreciate the Supreme Court's decision in, in letting states decide and letting, letting it be a local decision. But I can tell you right now that um, just when we thought that um, the woman's uh, place over here, um, in uh, a woman's uh, health, I can't remember what it's called now, over here by, by the old Kmart there in Greensboro, now, now it's Destiny Church, um, that, but that abortion clinic was you know, really short on business, but now it's got a lot of business because people are coming from um, Tennessee and South Carolina to have abortions there. It, it's, it's still, you know, we still haven't really limited it in North Carolina like, like it needs to be. Um, but, but people, you know, they, they want the convenience of having that instant gratification, and they don't want the commitment of actually having a child and raising a family. And, it, and, and it's sad because we, we've lost a whole generation of people because of it. I hadn't even got to Sanctity of Human Life Month. I do that on the 21st. But this is a good place to talk about it. People want convenience over commitment. And just in, in, our, in our daily lives, we, we want things to be easy. We want things to be easy going. We want, we want people uh, to um, accept us. We like the easy way of going. Rather than making a full-on commitment. And I think it has to do with um, our human nature that has been corrupted by sin. And, and, and it's sad that, that we cannot commit. Um, now, we know what commitment is because um, we have relationships that we're committed to. Um, many of you here are committed to family. Many are, uh, here are committed to their spouses. And I, I don't doubt that. I'm talking about out there in the world in general. Uh, there, there's a lack of commitment. You guys, I'm, I, I'll say I'm preaching to the choir here, to, really, because you guys have committed to coming on Sunday morning, and uh, even though you know we have very few people, uh, 
in this church, and I value that commitment. And I, I think it's wonderful that, that you've committed to this church. And I think it says something about you. It says, I think it says something about the people that we have. But you're committed. But a lot of people don't want that commitment today. But God, if you want a relationship with Him, and if you truly want to be in fellowship with God, and if you truly want to love God, you must commit yourself to Him fully in your hearts. And that's what we see God desiring here. God, God is, de is desiring a relationship with His people. The covenant-making God desires for fellowship with His people. God wants fellowship with us. He wants to be with us. He wants to be near us. He wants to be committed to us. He wants to help us. He wants to give us uh, strength for, for our human journeys, um, whatever we're going through in life. God, God is concerned about us, especially those who have committed themselves to Him through faith. God redeemed the people of Israel here in this passage from slavery in Egypt and promised to be their God if they would obey Him fully and keep His commandments. That's what He tells um, that's what he tells the people when he appears on Mount Sinai in Exodus 19, just a few chapters before. He says, if you obey me fully and keep my commandments, then out of all nations, you will be my treasured possession. And though the whole world is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. God brought them. He literally moved heaven and earth to bring them out from under the oppressor, that their Pharaoh in Egypt, but I can tell you that the biggest oppression that these Israelites have was their lack of knowledge of God and, and, and their slavery and, and commitment and the forced commitment, so to speak, to the gods of Egypt. All they knew was the Egyptian religion. They, they, they knew, probably knew very little of, of Abraham anymore. And it, they had been in slavery for 400, 400 years. But they did know the oppression that they were under. And even if they didn't know who exactly to turn to, the God of Israel sends his messenger, Moses, to tell them that God has heard their cries and is ready to rescue them. The God of their forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God redeemed his people from that slavery. Not, not only the, the oppressor there that was in Egypt, but of their lack of knowledge and their lack of relationship with, with the true God who loved them, who loved their forefathers and who wanted to commit himself to them. They, God freed them from that. And so on the mountain, when, when they reached this place, God said, all right, here are my terms. He says, I brought you up out of Egypt, and here's what you need to do. And so he gives them the Ten Commandments, and he gives them a, a, a few sub-commands, so to speak. Um, not that they're lesser, but that, that they were commands related to, to the first ten about how to worship God and about how to treat others. So he gives that to, to Moses, and Moses comes back down to relay that to the people. And God told the people when Moses went up on the mountain back in Exodus 19 that he had to draw a line of demarcation around the mountain because God's presence was there, was so holy, anybody who would cross that line would, would, would die. Because you could not be a sinful person in God's presence. Because God is so holy and so good. 
So, the, so Moses was invited up while, while the people were outside of the line, outside of this circle. They could not come up to God. But after God gave Moses the law, and after God uh, you know, spoke to Moses and gave all the commands, he said, you go and, and tell the people that you can bring up you know, your brother and his sons, and, and then also 70 elders of the people. So it was a limited amount of people, but God was still, in His mercy and His grace, would allow those who would come up to Him to see Him, to, to represent the people of Israel um, in, in their seeing of Him and, and, and being able to um, not come near Him still, but to have eat and drink in His presence. Um, God did invite some of the people, representative um, in, in these 70 leaders. So what I think that's saying to me is, even though there's this separation between God and His people because of their sinfulness and His utter holiness, God in His mercy and grace was going to allow the people to come up and, and see Him and feast with Him. Even if it wasn't all the people, some of the people came up as representatives. And so, in doing so, God was showing His mercy and grace, which gave the people hope that they could be in fellowship with this all-powerful, all-knowing, all-seeing, all-loving God. He gave them hope. And something that, that pointed to, to the future glory that they would receive. But there was one thing that needed to happen before these 70 elders could go up and see God on the mountain. And that was the shedding of blood as an atonement for their sins. The curse of sin is death. And thereby only through death can sin be atoned. No one could go up to God because of their sinfulness. No one could cross that line of demarcation or they would die because of their sinfulness. But God in His mercy allowed the blood of the bulls and goats and animals and other things that they had in Israel to be sacrifices to atone for their sins. And over and over again the Bible says that, that, that the life is in the blood. The blood is the source of life that they believed in those days. And, and, and the blood represents the source of life that comes from God because God created all things. The, the, the life of any creature is in its blood. You drain the blood away, they die. God allowed, instead, instead of the, the person suffering and dying, He allowed the animals to suffer and die for the person so that that blood would, sanct, would, would sanctify them, cleanse them of their sins, and, and, and consecrate them, uh, dedicate them to the Lord. So what He did, what, what happened was, you know, uh, Moses comes down, he, he gives them the law, he, he uh, writes it down word by word after, after he gave it to them morally. He sets up um, an altar, and around the altar he sets up 12 pillars to represent the people, the 12 tribes of Israel. The altar was in the center, that's where um, the would be dedicated for the sacrifices of God. And then, you know, along the way, that there were the twelve tribes, of, the pillars representing the twelve tribes of Israel. So you had you had the worship of God, then you had the people of God represented in all this. 
And so Moses tells the young men, there weren't any priests yet at this time, he tells young men to go bring the bulls and the goats, you know, bring the best and, uh, and, uh, of your flock. And, and, and these would, would be for um, burnt, whole burnt offerings and for peace offerings. The whole burnt offering was for the general sins of the people and, and also represented the, the worship and thankful, you know, worship of God. And then he had them bring the peace offering, which has to do with thankfulness to God for what he's done. And it has to do, some call it people. Some people call it the peace offering. Some call it fellowship. I think fellowship is the better word because it represented this idea that even though God is holy and even though there is a separation because of this sin, God still wanted fellowship with them. God still wanted peace with them. And so Moses, um, they, they they kill um, all these animals. They drain half of the blood into a basin and set it aside. And then, then the, main, the, the first part of the blood, he, he threw it up against the altar as a symbol that it had been purified for God's use, purified of its sin, because only the shedding of blood can make atonement for sin. That, that's in Hebrews as well, in the New Testament as well. So, so that happens. And then he took the other basin, and it sounds gross, but he sloshed blood on the people. Now, probably what... It doesn't describe all of it here. It describes it elsewhere. Probably what Moses did was took a, a branch from, from a hyssop plant, um, stuck it in there, and went around and just waving it at people, sprinkling them with the blood. You know, that's, that's where we kind of get the idea that, you know, Methodists tend to sprinkle, Baptists tend to immerse. I think either one is acceptable, but that's neither here nor there. But anyway, we have a scene where Moses is splashing blood on people. Um, in, in order to consecrate them. Um, he, he does that here in, in this passage. And it was only after that that Moses and Aaron and, and his sons and, and the 70 elders could go up and meet God. Only through the blood were they able to access God again. Only through the blood were they able to see Him face to face. And they describe God when they get there as, as this glorious being. And, and, and there's no description of God's face here. Um, no one who ever encounters God in this way um, sees His face. All they see is His brilliance. And He was standing on you know, just this, this, this flooring that looked like sapphire, like, like a bright blue sky. And, and they got to see the Lord. They got to feast with him because it says they ate and drank in God's presence. Now only Moses and Aaron could, could, could approach God and come close, but, but the others had, had to stay, stay behind still. But still, the, the idea here is, is that, that it was through the blood that these people could have fellowship with God again. And it's only through the, the atoning blood that you and I can have salvation today. And it's only through the atoning blood that you and I have any chance of, of being in God's presence. When we pass on from this life, or when He comes again in His kingdom, if you happen to be living at that time, only, we're only going to be able to see God when we have been consecrated to God. And not only that, but an agreement to obey all that He has given us. Because the people said twice here, 
All that your word, all that's written down, we will obey. All that the Lord has written, we will obey. We need that kind of commitment today in our own hearts and lives if we really want to see God again. We need the blood and we need our commitment to, to receive it and, and to obey God's will and way. Now again, you know, th th there, there were some limitations in, this, in these promises. You had the line of demarcation that the people couldn't cross. And only after the atonement did God allow some of the people come up as representatives of the people. But since God sent His own Son, Jesus Christ, as the ultimate sacrifice, the line of demarcation is gone. God Himself offered a sacrifice of His own Son, Jesus Christ. And through His shed blood, you and I have access and fellowship with God even now. All peoples are invited, not just the, 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 the descendants of Abraham, but the whole world is invited in now. The seminary president where I went, he, he, people talked about and challenged him on this idea of, of, of the exclusionary nature of Christ and of the Christian church. When we narrow things down to the person of Jesus Christ, all the world can be saved. If they'll but come to Him, they'll but seek Him, and believe in Him in, by faith that He suffered and died on behalf of our sins. We cannot come to God except through Jesus Christ and the blood that He offered as our redemption price. It was true in the Old Testament. It is true today. The difference is, as Hebrews talks a lot about, if you go read Hebrews, that Christ's sacrifice was the better sacrifice. It was the more perfect sacrifice. Only His sacrifice could change the hearts of the people. If you know anything about the history of Israel, these people said with their mouths that we will follow all that you, all, all that you say in your word. But they didn't follow all that they saw that God said in His Word, did they? God knew that that would happen, but yet He still sought after them in, in His grace and in His mercy. And the Israelites found it very hard to keep God's commands. But the difference is, is that now that God has offered Himself and has offered His own presence in our hearts and lives, there's a transformation within the heart so that not only are we in servile fear of God and His commands, now we've been so transformed that, that our sinful nature has been untwisted and, ha and has now turned towards God and others because of what Christ has done by His power. The power that, that is displayed in His resurrection is the same power that saves us and transforms us. It turns us toward God in a brand new life in Him. So that now we want fellowship with God. We want to follow His commands. And you know, God has made it so much easier for us because Christ Himself has fulfilled the law. When we commit ourselves to Christ and, and, and we're following His path and His words, then we are fulfilling the law. And the law that Christ has laid down is the law of love, which sums up the whole Old Testament law. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And if we really commit ourselves to it, and, and, and if we give our hearts over to God fully, 
and, and, and we allow His Spirit to work with the, within our hearts and lives, if we really commit to it, then we will begin to see growth in our own lives and growth in our church. Because if, if God is truly working within us, other people are going to see it and they're going to be attracted to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not only by what we say, but how we live and what we do. We need that recommitment to God every so often. We, we need to trust in Him. We, we, we need to re, reminders of our covenant, which is why Jesus gave us the Lord's Supper. To remind us of the blood that He shed on the cross. And to remind us of His broken body. So that we can recommit ourselves to Him. In a moment here, we're going to partake of communion. Before we do that, I want us to stand and read the renewal of our covenant that's there in your bulletin. I'll start, and then the, I'll, I'll pray with you. I mean, I'll, I'll, uh, you, you read the people part. And it says this. <clears throat> and now, beloved, let us bind ourselves with willing, with willing bonds to our covenant God. And take the yoke of Christ upon us. This taking of His yoke upon us means that we heartily, we are heartily content that He appoint us our place and our work. And that He alone be our reward. Christ has many services to be done. Some are easy, others are difficult. Some bring honor, others bring reproach. Some are suitable to our natural inclinations and temporal interest, and others are contrary to both. In some, we may please Christ and please ourselves. In others, we cannot please Christ except by denying ourselves. Yet the power to do all these things is assuredly given us in Christ, who strengthens us. Therefore, let us make the covenant of, our, of God our own. Let us engage our heart to the Lord and resolve in His strength never to go back. Being this prepared, let us now, in sincere dependence on His grace and trusting in His promises, yield ourselves to Him. Let's read this together. That means we grow Let me be employed for thee or laid aside for thee, exalted for thee or brought low for thee. Let me be full, let me be empty, let me have all things, let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to thy pleasure and disposal. Amen. Now I read this part. And now, glorious 
and blessed Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Thou art mine, and I am Thine, so be it. And the covenant which I have made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. 